When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome into a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you will run down Mitch Sherman. Got to talk some Husker football with Mitch. Excited to do that in about 20 minutes. Mitch Sherman with the Athletic. In hour two, it's a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski will join us. Longtime coach at Nebraska and Iowa. Some thoughts on... Close ball games on turnovers on the media swirling uh, about a coach before and during the season. We'll get to what I'm talking about with the hot seat ratings in just a moment. And then uh, Mike St. James going to be back with us. It was an exquisite episode as season six, part two of Better Call Saul got rolling last night big time. Uh, hopefully you saw it. If not, earmuffs around 540. Numbers to get in can join us today at 466-3776-466-3776. Toll free at 800-825-5865. can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Chris Schmidt, that's me at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can email the show Chris at Hale Varsity. Another Husker running back in the portal. We'll tell you about that. What do we believe about the quarterback race? Words from Mark Whipple as he sat down with the Husker Network last night. Tiger Wood sounds off. And the master of Nick Saban impersonations, Joey, gets his whistle and fedora out. Elijah, what do you know? How are you? Doing really well. Nothing to complain about. Finished a book last night, so that's good. Finished Stranger Things last night. It was just a, a night of, of finishing off all these things I've been enjoying. So, Well, good for you. I, uh, I, I'm clearing my plate for Better Call Saul. I'll be caught up for next week. How are you? <laughs> okay, so you're going to have to binge like a madman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's start off with the portal news. Um, Marquis Stepp is into the portal. That isn't a total shocker. Uh, didn't see much time last year didn't have a 100 yard game but was really kind of damaged uh as he missed a lot of spring a year ago as he transferred in from usc and if somebody was gonna surge forward and take the running back job it was there to be taken last year it it just was and step is the seventh scholarship running back to transfer nebraska football since 2018, you have Step, you have Greg Bell, you have Savion Morrison, you have Marvin Scott, you have Mo Washington, and the part-time running back, Wandale Robinson. That is swinging and missing. 
And it's not that these kids couldn't play. It's not that these kids couldn't help. But, I mean, you just had a herky-jerky rotation. You know, Either they didn't get hot or they weren't allowed to get hot or there wasn't running room or there was clearly some uh, hesitancy, at least in Mo Washington's point, I think back to 2019, of running between the tackles mm. against Minnesota. Just bounce everything outside. What you do have is Ramir Johnson. Uh, you have Yant. You have Gabe Irvin trying to bounce back, excited about Anthony Grant, A.J. Allen, and Emmett Johnson. And and I think as much as we all like Ryan Held, wish him well at Northern Alabama, I think Coach Applewhite will be able to figure out uh, a rotation and lean on some lean on a guy or a committee going forward. It, it is a new era in college football. There's always been transfers. There's been mass transfers. But Nebraska's been worst-case scenario. Uh, Diedrich Mills stuck and stayed, and Ramir Johnson's gutted it out. Is he's going into year five? But but Ramir Johnson's probably the only one. I mean, of the seven names you listed, all of whom were held, guys. Mm-hmm. Ramir Johnson's it. Ramir Johnson's the only guy a, that has stayed. But B, he's also the only guy that I can see and has shown any real signs of development during his time at Nebraska. The other guys may have gotten a little stronger, a little bit faster, but in terms of playing the running they back bolted. position. I'm not sure if I saw any of them actually improve their craft. The best they looked was against Wisconsin in their time here, Mm -hmm. period. End of discussion. You've had a few flashes from Yant, but you had some steps back with with Yant a year ago. You think of the Michigan game and the Minnesota game, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, to go with the good, the Northwestern game. And but, you can also add to the fact all his struggles at the goal line, despite the fact that he's a 240-pound running back. Like, I mean, Step was your guy in the goal line last year for the most part, and I think that just shows that that uh, Yant still got a long way to go. He, he does, and and you know what? Yant will get coached up this year by a really good running backs coach in uh, Applewhite, but you just can't be – you can't have – that turnstile at running back since 2018. Thank God you had a Zigbo, who, by the way, was third or fourth team after spring ball in 2018 when you got here. You can't have that turnstile at running back, and you can't have 35 total turnovers uh, with your quarterback in three years. That, that's what Adrian, for all the touchdowns he put up, he had 30 interceptions and 15 fumbles that's 45 total turnovers 15 lost fumbles 30 interceptions in three years and you got no running game you're asking him to be your running back and your quarterback that in tune tells me about all right there's some some reason for positivity with what the offense the new offense can be it's not so quarterback centric but you're going to need a running back or two or three to step forward and help things out because it's not going to be – there's no Adrian show to lean on. I'm, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. And it comes down to offensive line. It comes down to running back. But uh, for the most part, uh, I, I think I've said it a couple of weeks ago, I think it's that consistency aspect of which one of these guys – it's still a full stable of running backs. Step has left. I don't think it's it's all that surprising. I think we're going to continue to see departures throughout the wide receiver room, throughout the offense, even on defense. I don't think the, the departures are done for fall. But which guys that are left behind are, are going to step up and take the reins and say, try to keep me off the field? 
the ones who's going to say, you know what, I want to be that every down back that, that Nebraska needs. Who's going to step up and be that guy? That's, that's my question as we move forward. Is can, can Brian Applewhite find a guy? Can he develop a guy to turn into that? Uh, because for as much as, yeah, sure, it's great. It's all right to have running back by committee. We saw it last season to limited success. Uh, there's been other schools that have done running back by committee and have, have done well. You ride the hot hand, but it hasn't worked for Nebraska and it hasn't worked for the Scott Frost era. So I still believe that the biggest key in the running back room is not just rushing yards, not just the running back being able to outrush the quarterback, which should be a given in college football, but it hasn't been at Nebraska. It's going to be which is that guy that's going to step up and, and be your consistent. You can count him on first down. You can count him on second down, third down, all situations. Doesn't matter what. You just don't want to get that guy off the field. Can a guy like that step up for Nebraska? And, and Nebraska's departures have been because they were ticked off about playing time. They were ticked off that they weren't the guy. Mm-hmm. And and clearly, if there's a spot in the Big Ten to go win a running back job the last two and a half years, it's been Nebraska. Yet, they didn't feel confident with sticking and staying with what they were were doing or being asked to do. And, and finding a workhouse workhorse has not just been a, a Nebraska issue. Look how much better Wisconsin looked last year once they turned to Braylon Allen as their workhorse. Look at Michigan's one-two punch. Michigan, I mean, but it was mostly Haskins was the one, and they had Corum come in as the, mm-hmm. the two guy occasionally, but they found themselves a workhorse. Uh, th- that's what works in the Big Ten, and Nebraska's got to find that, if, I think, if they want to find consistent success on the ground. Let's talk hot seat. Dennis Dodd is back with his hot seat ratings, and... This is no shock in uh, with a bullet at number one is Scott Frost. He is number one of all football coaches on the hot seat. That is, well, duh. I mean, it's it's known. It's been talked about, and it was insinuated last year. You have Frost even in front of Herm Edwards. Herm's gone to a, to a bowl game, uh, but you have this NCAA investigation over uh, prospects visiting during the COVID dead period. That's what Herm's in trouble for. Brian Harson's number three on the list where the boosters tried to oust him with some nasty rumors and innuendo down at Auburn. But that's your one, two, three. Frost, Herm Edwards, Brian Harson. Dennis writes this about Frost. All that is lacking is a formal letter notifying Frost that he'd better win this season or be fired. There was an embarrassing NCAA investigation that resulted in minor penalties. He fired four assistant coaches and agreed to restructure his contract. There's the three and nine season. And worst of Frosty's four seasons in his alma mater, a 341 win percentage, three and nine, the lowest since Bill Jennings. Frost is a good guy who is destined for greatness at his school until he wasn't that makes this the number one hot seat to monitor his rating was five in 2021 it's five right now in 2022 this is obvious uh everybody knows that it's winter else i think you can you don't have to put a number on it elijah it's got to be a look it's got to be a feel do you feel the program's going in the right direction do you feel the program's different for the better with the changes you've made with the assistant coaches, and can you see some upside there? That's the intrigue for me. You've got 15 portal guys coming in between JUCO and and major Power 5 guys that have come in. You've got some really nice coaches that have won and been part of good programs and, and, and good head coaches 
that have found their way to Lincoln now, and you have all of this conglomerating, and you have a pressure-packed game against Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern and Coach McBride. Uh, Spent plenty of time on that because Fitzgerald has his guys ready. They win. I know they've had a couple of three and nine seasons, but they are not the team you really want to open with across the pond. Uh, Let's get some thoughts from Mark Whipple as he caught up with Sports Nightly. And uh, Whipple, first and foremost, commented on spring ball. I'll say this. We talk about the quarterback race, and here's what we know. We know Casey Thompson has had thumb issues. We know Pretty had a foot issue. We know Smothers has had to work on footwork, right? Learn, and all of them have had to learn a new offense. Harburg had a dinged finger on his non-throwing hand. And Richard Torres coming back from a knee injury. So you really didn't have a great window to examine quarterbacks in the spring. You had snippets. You had limited opportunity to see Chubba Pretty with a healthy foot. Uh, you, you, you see Harburg now with a healthy finger. You, you see Smothers continue to grind. Torres is back from the knee. And then Casey Thompson was uh, good to go. And then he's figuring out that thumb. And for him to play and gut out a season ago at Texas and put up the numbers he did with a bad thumb is uh, pretty impressive. But here's Whipple on last spring. Yeah, I thought they really handled it. I thought the guys studied really well. I thought the, our offensive coaches, we really got a good group. It starts there. We're together on a lot of things that way. And uh, they did a good job of, of uh, you know, getting those guys in order and getting them and teaching a lot of football. So they had to learn a lot of pass stuff. And some of the guys that were here had to learn some the run stuff, but the coach had to learn everything. So um, I thought it went well. And I thought that, you know, we're trying to be – I think we really had one day that wasn't great. It was like at the end of the end of the spring. It was a Monday after uh, a scrimmage day, and then we went, and that was the only day. And we really, we really kind of got after it and said, "Hey, we got Wednesday practice, the last one before the spring game," and that was our best day. They responded, so they responded to adversity. You know, handled it well. I thought our guys finished a lot better. I think their attitude was a lot better. Guys on the O line, uh, the wide receivers, and, and everything, and the running backs getting in the end zone. So, I think they certainly bought in, and they were a fun group. It's been really good. So that's some positive thoughts from from Whipple. The buy-in's good. They improved. Uh, Coach Whipple's seen a lot of football, man. He's coached about everywhere, and he's done it at a high level. Interesting comments about Northwestern and the opener over an island against that opponent you know i've told the guys it's hard to it's not impossible but it's really hard to win a conference if you don't win your first conference game whether that's the first week or the fourth week but uh you know you know we got to go to ireland you know which i think can bond kids together you know you worry about the second game a little bit more coming back from that that length but uh you know, that's down the road, and, and you know, we're going to take care of business ourselves. Um, and, and as I said, I went back just yesterday and had looked at the second scrimmage day, and our guys were nervous, haven't started as fast as we'd like, but then after that they got on a little bit of roll, all the groups. So, you know, it's not that first quarter that's going to win or lose. It's going to be, you know, where, where we are in the fourth quarter and, and how to finish games. And obviously we know that was a little bit of a problem, but that's being mentally more mentally tough and more physical and, you know, understanding situations a lot more that that'll be a real 
focus come come August? Uh, how how third downs? How long is the third down? What do you need? All right, what's time management? Those things. So things that probably in the NFL that you work on a little bit more that that, that I think will will really help us. And and if we can steal a couple games, we'll be in good shape. How often do you hear about situational football? Right. I mean, you just you hear about red zone. You hear about third down. On offense, what can you do? What do you do on first down? How does that uh, relate to what your distance and down number is for third down? And Nebraska has been okay at picking up third downs, but it's been, well, it's been being able to run the football when you have to run the football. And listen, in this controlled passing game, you can certainly find a a dump off for a first down, but man, it'd be good to see uh, Nebraska able to run the football. We'll talk some more Husker football. Mitch Sherman's next from the Athletic. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? Listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for hanging out, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Mitch Sherman with The Athletic, and Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what are you doing, man? How are you? I am uh, just uh, doing a little work, finishing up a finishing up a story here about my uh, some more from my trip to uh, up to Minnesota last uh, last month. So writing about John Michael Schmitz, the Gopher Center. I think I think it's one that even Nebraska fans might enjoy if you can if you can stand to uh, to read about a Minnesota player. Good good little uh, human interest story. How does he spell the last name? Is not the same as you, my man. S C H M I T Z. So Schmitz. Okay. It's uh, it's Schmitz. It's not a Schmidt. Um, he is a through and through Southsider from okay. from Chicago. All right. Very much wears, wears it on his sleeve. So. Well, there you good go. Good to get to know. It's good to get to know the players from around the Big Ten. You know, yeah. Lots of stories out there beyond uh, the walls of Lincoln. Who who's headed to Indy? What what Husker players would you guess? See, I would be guessing if you're asking me who's headed. This is not any kind of direct knowledge. I, you know, I think it's going to be uh, veteran players. I don't. If there's ever a year for Nebraska to send some newcomers, the, the year with 15 Division One transfers would be it, right? <laughs> but I don't. I don't know that I see precedent being broke, uh, broken. Um, I could see. I could definitely see uh, Trent Hickson going. I could see uh, Quentin Newsome. I could see Nick Henrich, Ramir Johnson, Garrett. They should send Garrett Nelson just because mm-hmm. that would be fun. Um, I could see that. Um, what do you think? What, what, I, what I, who am I missing? Well, no, what, what, do, you go, do you go two offensive, two defensive? You just, go three, you just go three. Three? Just three, three yeah. players, yeah. I think you go Garrett Nelson because he's the ambassador. I think you go Ramir Johnson because Ramir's been here the longest and he's an actual running back that hasn't transferred. 
and uh, I, I think you, uh, I think you can go Hickson. He's a Nebraska kid. I mean, look, Nebraska. I think Nebraska should embrace um, should embrace having having good stories told. That's what Media Day is about. Mm-hmm. You know, go ahead and send Omar Manning. Um, mm-hmm. Omar's got some things to say that I think people need to hear. And you know he's told some of it locally, and if he was on board with that, I think that'd be a great, a great um, front man for mm-hmm. Nebraska. Um, you know, I think Travis Vokalek would be mm-hmm. good. There are a number of um, of great options, which is a good sign when you go into a season and you start to think about this media day thing, and you can't you can't come up with good candidates for 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 a team to send. Then you know, that's probably not a great sign for the season ahead, but. Um, this is one that looks good for Nebraska because there's plenty of players who I think would represent them well. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, what's the uh, the quarterback storyline for you? I'm, I'm anxious to get your, your gauge and your read on, on this quarterback race as camp just around the corner. Sure. Well, I don't think it's changed a lot since the spring. I know Mark Whipple has made some comments here this week, was on the radio last night, and talked about the improvement that all the guys have made. And, and you know, that's standard stuff for mid-July. But, you know, we're going to really understand where this is at a month from now and, you know, maybe more like six weeks from now. And I, I, you know, I, I suspect that it's going to be Casey Thompson. I mean, he's the one who came in with the experience. He's the guy that they targeted from the beginning to learn this offense and be a leader. And, you know, he's done the right things off the field. It seems that he's done the right things on the field. We, we you know, I, I feel like he's going to be in a good place um, medically that, you know, whatever he was going through this off season with that thumb that could have been lingering, it's going to be in a position for him to be uh, able to throw the ball well and, um, you know, be much better than, than the spot that he was in at Texas in the second half of last season or uh, really after that, that Oklahoma game in early October. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the good thing is they have depth. Uh, you know, not, not many teams are going to find themselves with five scholarship quarterbacks and four, I would say four scholarship quarterbacks who have been in, in the program for an extended period of time or in a Division One and a Power Five program um, for, for an extended period of time. So that is good. And if you do have an injury, you know, you're going to have somebody to step in um, but, uh, you know, all eyes on KC right now um, until we hear otherwise. Now, I mean, if you would have asked me four months ago, Mitch, I would have said that Casey almost had that starting job locked up. But it, it sounded like uh, Chubb has been making a good run this summer, even through the spring as well. And uh, he, he might be making a, a run at it. Do you think that's just uh, what they're saying to the media to kind of motivate players uh, in public? Or do you think that's a, a real storyline to follow here, that, that Chubb is going to be pushing Casey Thompson for that starting job? Well, yes, and, and and yes. I mean, yes to everything. I think it's a, it's a it's it's a, it's summer fodder. It's a storyline to push to help motivate everyone. I don't think necessarily that there have been you know there, there's been a dramatic change in the hierarchy at the quarterback spot over the last three months. Chuba has been able to get healthy. Um, and which is which is a big thing, and and you know it's what held him back in the first two thirds of spring is that he wasn't able to go out there and operate at all um, anywhere close to 100. percent He wasn't taking any kind of reps that uh, allowed him to 
show those coaches that he was going to push for that job. So if he's gotten himself to a place, and it seems that he has, where he can compete on an even playing field with Smothers and, and with Thompson, then that is, that is a check mark in his column. But I, and, and again, I'm not watching, I'm not, I'm not watching their workouts. So, um, you know, it's just only based on reading between the lines and, you know, interpreting the, the comments and hearing the things that, you know, are, are not necessarily always for public consumption. My feeling is that uh, they're in a good spot. They feel like they're in a good spot with Casey, and that's their intention to, to go into the season with him. But, they, but yes, I mean, you have, a, a, you have a, a talented guy, not just one, but three more talented guys with some level of experience uh, behind him. And Chubba's, you know, perhaps at the top of that list. Mitch, want to get your your thoughts on Marquis Steps' uh, decision to go to the portal, and overall the fact that Nebraska's had seven backs transfer out since 2018. We're in the age of the portal. We're in the age of the transfer option, but that's a spot that you just didn't think you'd see it uh, be such a turnstile at Nebraska, and, and it and it's affected the offense because you've not had a you've not had a go to. It's been too long since Nebraska's offense has had a guy they can lean on like Rex Roy or or yeah. uh, or or Amir. Yeah. Well, they're all different cases, and you know some I think were instances where guys were not patient enough. Um, that's not the case with Marquis Step. You know he's been through the portal once before. He's dealt with a chronic injury that uh, I think he hoped and expected to put in the past when he came from USC to Nebraska, but it, it, it lingered. And then it kept him off the field uh, last year after he got off to a pretty solid start, you know, for the first three games of the season, he looked like somebody that Nebraska might end up re- relying on, especially after Gabe Irvin went down with, with the injury. But, um, you know, he, he couldn't stay healthy and, and Ramir Johnson could, and, you know, Marquise just kind of slid down the line in as far as the confidence that the, that the coaches had in him and, and didn't uh, get back, didn't move back up when the off season began. Didn't, you didn't hear about Marquis step in the spring as a guy that Nebraska and, and new running backs coach, Brian Applewhite and, and Mark Whipple as the offensive coordinator were looking to lean on this year. So it seemed that the writing was on the wall. And I think this would have happened sooner if Marquis hadn't had the career path that, has, has already existed for him. He's been through the portal one time. It's more uncertain for players when they're older and, 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 and when they've already transferred once. You know, I don't know what his situation is going to be with eligibility. Um, you know, he probably wanted to get some of that ironed out. You don't want to have to sit out when you're um, as, as deep into your career as Marquise is. But um, clearly, you know, he wasn't going to be a main guy at Nebraska in the rotation this year. So that's his situation. And there are others uh, among those seven that you mentioned, Chris, that have, have had vastly different reasons for, for why they transferred. But the end result is that Nebraska has lacked continuity and at, at that position, and it has. It hurts, it's hurt the offense. So they're going to strive to find that this season, you know, whether it's Anthony Grant, um, you know, whether Gabe Irvin comes back from injury and is, is solid, you know, whether it's Ramir, um, you know, it could you could see somebody like a true freshman, A.J. Allen, step into a role that uh, can help Nebraska. But uh, you know, the, the 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 key this year is to find somebody who can who can handle that ball and do it and do it consistently and and provide um, 
you know, a, a become a reliable force for this offense. Mitch, it's all dependent on the O-line for whoever's quarterbacking to have time and uh, holes to open up for the running back. But what's a successful average running number for you? What do you think Nebraska needs this season on the ground per game? Uh, upper fours toward toward five point oh. Um, if you can average five yards a carry, and I'm, I'm, I don't have the, I can pull up the CFB stats and and you know tell you where where they've been every year and and you know like look at where um, you know Wisconsin or Iowa is at in their good years of running the ball and being able to control the clock. You you want to be able to do something like that for Nebraska. It's been you know, in the, in the, I think 4.5 range has been, has been pretty successful. And, and, you know, how the quarterback run factors into that is always, um, you know, that, that always matters. Um, you know, if, if the, if, if when you're, you're of course accounting for sacks and in, in your, in your run total. So if you're more of a run dominant team, like Minnesota has been in recent years, um, your average might be, look a little bit different than what Nebraska's is at, but, um, you know, and it, like on a game by game basis, uh, if, if you if you check out the stats at the end of the game and you see that that a team has averaged five yards a carry or better, um, I think in, in Nebraska's case and in most in the case of most teams in the Big Ten, uh, that that gives them a dramatically better chance to have to have won that game. Mitch, you headed to the Hale Varsity Club Thursday. About thirty seconds, bud. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out. I will. I'm looking forward to seeing a live event there and, and see what that's what that's like. So um, I uh, envision that it'll be fun. Oh, I think so. The Chicken Nick live podcast on Thursday afternoon and uh, should be a rowdy time. And, uh, well, enjoy. Try the appetizers, my friend, and get a cold one, mm-hmm. okay? I will do that. Thank you. Mitch, appreciate your time, man. Good to talk with you. Yeah, me too. Take care, guys. Mitch Sherman joins us, Sale Varsity Radio uh, from The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. A little bit more from Mark Whipple coming up. Get his thoughts on, uh, well, some of those quarterbacks specifically. And uh, also uh, the mother of all Nick Saban impersonations, Rich, Rick Kaczynski, Coach Kaz, coming up here in Hour 2, a Tuesday with Kaz. Hail Varsity rolls forward, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. We'll post that on the on-demand section ESPNLincoln.com. Also on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter, the full interview, and uh, Facebook. So we're talking uh, quarterbacks. We've talked the transfer portal with the uh, Nebraska running backs. Marquis Stepp adding his name to it. Dennis Dodd has Frost number one on the hot seat. That's kind of Captain Obvious with just what um, 
the mood and tenor was at the end of last season with the restructuring and uh, the, the, the fact that you better turn close losses into close wins this year and it better look a certain way because I think if you're a Nebraska fan, you're, you're tired of being close, and that's just it. Be, cl- be close the other way. And I think something important to note here with Dennis Dodd's story is this will be the third consecutive year that Scott Frost is out of five. Win or be fired, and he has lost his pre- past. I think he was at a four. Fired. He was at a four last year, wasn't he? Uh, I am checking. He was at a five in twenty twenty one. He was at a five in twenty twenty. I got really? the tw- I got the twenty twenty one list pulled up here. Okay. Scott okay. Frost had topped the list in twenty twenty. He got Justin Fuente right. He yep. was at a five for Virginia Tech. Uh, Randy Edsel for UConn didn't even make it through the season, if I remember correctly. He was at a five, but then he had Jim Harbaugh at a four. Right, and five of the nine on the list were have have been let go. Right, and. Uh, you have the categories five, win or be fired, four, start improving now, three, is pressure is mounting, and uh, Edsel, four straight years, Clay Helton, three straight years mm-hmm. of the hot seat. Interesting case study with Ed Orgeron. Was on it in 2018, clearly off of it in 2019, reappeared in 2021, and then was uh, whacked last October you've had 72 coaching changes in three years so with all the TV money or the money floating around uh, programs have pulled the trigger to their detriment in some instances because you've just got a revolving door the one program that has been able to bounce back in short order with all the coaching changes has been Oregon but they lost their dude, Cristobal, now. We'll, we'll see how Oregon, if they stabilize, if they stay at 9-3, and three, right? Miami, finally, they think they have their guy in Cristobal down there because Miami's been blasting coaches every three to five years. Nebraska's been doing the, the same thing. Tennessee has been doing it. Texas has been making changes. And uh, USC has had quite a bit of turnover. I mean, Helton wasn't a popular pick. Had some good years. And then Harbaugh, when are you going to give us the payoff? He got the payoff last year mm-hmm. after the uh, the restructuring. And then uh, he was thinking NFL, and that didn't ever come together uh, with uh, a couple of gigs that were open. Mark Whipple, going to be uh, pretty big time for, the, for Nebraska and Scott Frost in reference to the, uh, the hot seat. Do you stay off the, uh, the list for next season? Do you dial back the rating? With a successful 2022, and it's going to be about quarterback play. It's going to be about protecting the football, and it's uh, going to be about a bunch of new transfers coming together on both sides of the football. Uh, Whipple last night weighing in on Casey Thompson. You know, he's got experience. He started for a year and then played really well when he was an underclassman in the bowl game. And then uh, he, he knows he knows more than the other guys because of experience and sees it, understands you know, he's had to learn the offense and now and the run game stuff. And then, uh, you know, now we're focusing more on what the defenses are doing. Not not necessarily Northwestern, but some of the other things. All the first four groups, I kind of combine those guys. And maybe some of the walkthroughs with a blitz pickup and understanding the protections and why we're doing certain, certain things or site adjustments, which he hadn't done before. So those, those things. Um, but he's done a really, really good job. And 
and uh, it's a lot of. We haven't. I answered, I think we said we had 88 different concepts on pa, on the pass game, which many probably maybe got two reps maybe on some of them. So some of those we'll go back and get to you know, and you got to see them against different coverages, and that's beneficial you know with Coach Chen and his defense. They're playing multiple defenses. Fish does a good job in the back in the back end with those guys. So they're seeing different coverages. We're seeing off coverage. We're seeing press coverage. We're seeing some quarters. We're seeing some some zone and some some man. So you like to see all those things and I think that really helps our, our guys. So experience is going to be key and uh, that will presumably be the difference for you at quarterback on offense in crunch time. And that's what his failed Nebraska in previous years and you had experience at quarterback in Adrian it comes down to just taking care of the football and making some plays yeah and that's why I think he mentions the fact that you want to see all these different coverages from the defense and I'm sure that's not unique to this year's team but uh, that, that's what that that factors into is in crunch time you don't want to have to think about what you want to do pre-play you just, know what's going you just on. gotta know what you're gonna do so more uh, on the quarterback setup, Logan Smothers from Coach Whipple and some of the steps in the progress uh, Logan has made. He has really improved. He's improved his footwork a lot uh, from the beginning in the pass game. He understands the run game formations and those things. So it wasn't as difficult for him. He really only had to learn, you know, half the offense, the, the throw game. So I think he's made he's taken leaps and bounds. Um, Really kind of had a really good week the last week and was disappointed he didn't play. And even he said he didn't play very well in the spring game, but had sh- had some scrimmages, things that way. Done a good job in a two-minute understanding some of that part. Can run the ball, you know, um, on some of the option game that we'll use. And uh, I think he's, he's and he's taken another another step uh, as we go on his questions and the one-on-one and watching his tape. So, you know, I'm excited because he's got experience. You know, he knows what it's like to be a starter. And, and uh, you know, that that's always a good thing. Now Chubba, a healthy Chubba. What kind of run can he make here in fall camp for the starting job? I'd recruited Chubba when I when I got to Pitt, but it was a little late. He'd, he'd been kind of tied into some schools, but got to know him, and I, I, I knew of his brother. And uh, I'd been to the high school a few times. I knew the high school coaches, and they really had a lot of great things. They said, hey, if I asked them, who would you have taken? Would, would you take Brock, who had a great career, obviously drafting the NFL, or would you take Chubba? And they said, well, Chubba's more athletic, stronger arm. Um, you know, probably would be Chubba. So he's really grown. You know, unfortunately, he got a foot problem uh, early and, and tried to go spring the first three days. Then we had to back him off through the spring break. And he got five practices at the end and, and has really made a made a tremendous jump in understanding the offense and understanding defenses. And, you know, I said it was his first spring game he's ever played. So that, that part, you know, he did all right there. And uh, um, I think this summer, or offseason has really been beneficial for him all the way through. A lot more confident in what we're doing. And the uh, hometown kid, uh, Heinrich Harburg, he was dinged up uh, a lot of last year with that off-hand finger issue. Right hand was okay, but limited with uh, a finger issue last spring and, and more from Coach Whipple on Harburg. Yeah, he's taking another step. A big, strong guy that can make all the throws. And uh, I really like where he's headed. Understanding protections is a big thing. Understanding yeah. the defense is more. Now he's taking, you know, that's that's where he's a bit, little bit behind those other guys just because he doesn't have the experience. But he's made some good throws, especially that way, and understanding and really had a good session two weeks ago when we finished up his tape, which was a good thing for him. 
Good stuff from uh, Mark Whipple was on the Husker Network. We'll wind down hour one. Some thoughts from Coach Kaczynski on the hot seat topic. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity this hour. Coming up, Rick Kaczynski and then uh, Mike St. James, our better call Saul aficionado. As season six, episode, well, one of the uh, second part of the season. If that makes any sense to you. <laughs> They've broken it into two parts. Part one and two. Part two, episode one of part two last night. Uh, Aim and Shoot, I think, was the name of the title. It was as masterful uh, as there have been uh, with uh, the Better Call Sauls and even Breaking Bad episodes. Reminder to get buckled up. Use your seatbelt. When you do so, it saves lives, prevents injuries. Only if properly worn, buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Reminder, Saturday, weekend edition of Hale Varsity, 7 to 9. We're out at Woodland Hills uh, with the tee-off for treasures. Uh, Tyson's treasure chest uh, fundraiser uh, fighting pediatric brain cancer. Searles and crew going to be out there and They've been part of this for so many years. It's going to be awesome to be out there for, I think, our fourth year in a row uh, with that uh, golf tournament and fundraiser Saturday morning. Well, lay this out. I know him as Joey. I know he used to used to be with Barstool. Mm-hmm. He's an impressionist. He does cowherd. He'll do who else? Uh, he's done uh, Orgeron. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's Go Tigers. a ton of people. Uh, he's got his, uh, his Owen Wilson one's great. Yeah, Owen. Yeah, because he kind of looks like Owen. <laughs> Uh, you know, th- this is his Nick Saban, and we're good. I don't think there's any swearing on no, this. No, there isn't. We, uh, we had to make sure it was okay. But he did the Jimbo and Saban phone call a little while back with that dust up when it comes to uh, NIL and accusations by old Saban. And SEC media days are next week, so grab the popcorn for that. Going to miss the fact there's no Ed Orger on there, but the Pirate will get a hold of the Pirate. Coach Leach after he gets back from media days. But without further ado, uh, picture, uh, well, picture about three days into fall camp, and uh, this Nick Saban impersonation is beautiful. At a porterhouse last night, so big, I thought they just brought out the whole cow. <laughs> Swear to God. What about you, Davis? You ever had one of those? Yeah, you look like more of a, a wedge salad kind of guy. <laughs> How many times are you going to change your hair? Should I do that? Okay, let's make a deal. Nope, too easy, too easy. You get three shutouts in a row then i'll do the hair hey you want me to do it or not how bad do you want it willing to send it for you lord knows y'all need it look at this taylor why are you always last what <laughs> do you guys have me listening to hey can i can i get a request can we get some vi- there we go you know what i want <laughs> little van halen <laughs> thinking about getting a bidet i don't agree with the french on a lot but that sounds pretty good like a pretty good deal to me in 1985, we somehow sneak our way into the back of the high five. It's after the show. <laughs> lo and behold, who walks out? Eddie Van Halen himself. You don't know who Eddie Van Halen is? Hey, coach, add on music history after film today. Eddie Van Halen comes out. I say, hey, that was a hell of a show, he says. You know anywhere we have a good time? I say, you supply the place, we'll supply the good time. <laughs> I didn't sleep that night. <laughs> What are we doing today? <laughs> you don't want to know. 
Whistle in you mouth. You do not want to know. <laughs> Whistle in mouth. He, he fedora, fedora on, shades on, bike shorts, and it's Saban. He nailed. You always get the most random conversations during like those stretching lines before yeah, practice. Yeah, I mean too. It's, it, it's like we were watching NFL films and John Gruden's being filmed. Rick Kaczynski, Kaz with us a Tuesday with Kaz next on Hale Varsity. Like what you hear, high quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code. GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tower 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in longtime coach at uh, Iowa and Nebraska, Rick Kaczynski, a Tuesday with Kaz. Kaz, how we doing? Uh, pretty good, man. Just getting off the road from work here, getting back. So, uh, doing pretty good, man. Otherwise, how about yourself? We're good. Do you judge a, a, a dude by the type of dog he owns? Uh, absolutely. There's just certain dogs. Well, you can tell who runs the house uh, by the dog. So uh, what dudes if, need to have male dogs. Period. End of story. I have I have two female dogs. One's a one's a heavy like set. Exactly. One's you just proved my theory. One's a heavy set Labradoodle. The other's a crazy German Shepherd. Do yeah. I get Do I well, get any rule points? Number two. No. No. No man should own a dog breed that has doodle in it so <laughs> so you're you're batting a thousand right now but boss. they're hype they're hypoallergenic kaz hey boss oh my gosh strike three <laughs> good lord oh when i visit south carolina in in, in three weeks to come see you i'm going to bring Roz raza razaru with me and you two will bond and become friends and you'll think <laughs> differently and you'll meet a you'll meet a man's dog when you do that. What, so, what kind of so. pup do you have? I got an old an old English bulldog. Okay, all right. Old English, yeah. All dude. What, what's his name? Chief. Okay. Okay. So I'm yeah. going to assume not hypoallergenic. Not hypoallergenic. <laughs> not well behaved. Eats <laughs> uh, eat Oreos. Eats. Uh, <laughs> Kaz, chocolate's bad for dogs. Not Oreos. Makes you stronger, not Uh, just dogs. uh, Rick Kaczynski's with us. I'm glad we got the the, the dog discussion out of the way, and I've been shamed (laughs) on the airwaves. Um, You're a big mafia guy. Uh, Where did did Paulie Walnuts, Paul Gutierrez from The Sopranos, rank for you? As far as uh, cast of characters on that show, 
Well, you know, I wasn't a big Sopranos fan. Yeah, I was, I was broke. I was in grad school. Yeah. And uh, and so there was there was no there was no HBO man, um, unless I was uh, you know babysitting for uh, for Skip Holt or something over there. That's the only time I I never 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 really watched The Sopranos man. Um, but uh, yeah, I saw that uh, saw that saw that he died. But the few episodes that I saw seemed like a cool dude. Mm-hmm. And um, wasn't he? Um, I mean, he wasn't always an actor, correct? No, he did. He, t- he did. He did time for a while because he was, uh, as they say, an associate of the Colombo family. So he was for real <laughs> in the Colombo gotcha. uh, yeah. war that, that was going on in the seventies. Yeah, seemed like a Mm-mm. seemed like a a, a good character. So uh, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, the the few the few episodes that I can remember, mm. he was uh, he was pretty good in them. Okay, so you used to babysit Skip Holtz's kids. That's kind of being facetious, but okay. yeah, freaking. But but I'd be over there. I'd okay. be over there when I was a GA when you have no money and, and no food. You'd go over there and eat. But uh, yeah, and he had a pool. So, yeah, I was over there. I spent a lot of time over there when I was at GA. Yeah, it's Uncle Kaz. Hey, good to see you again. <laughs> Sunday dinner. Yeah. I love it. Well, <laughs> Dennis Dodd is out with the annual hot seat lists. And uh, coming in, now or never, in number one out of all of college football, five is win or be gone. Scott Frost did it five. Kaz, does that type of story, and Dennis Dodd's done this for CBS Sports for years, does this type of story make the radar? No, absolutely not. I mean, as far as in the coaching world amongst coaches, Mm -hmm. I can tell you that people think Dennis Dodd's a clown. I mean, how many, may I ask you this, how many tackles Dennis Dodd have in his career? Um, You know, how many kickoffs has he ran Mm -hmm. down? Um, how many times he's ran out of a tunnel and had an impact on any sporting event in his life. So, so that's about as serious as any coach takes it. I mean, I mean, ultimately if Dennis Dodd is pulling the strings on, um, on, you know, who's going to get hired and fired, then it's important, but clearly, clearly he's, he's not, um, you know, coaches don't pay attention enough. You got, I mean, who, who isn't on the hot seat? You have to, you have to win. I mean, you got Gene Chizik two years after he wins a national championship. He's gone. You got Ed Ogeron two years after Natty C gone. You know, I mean, your coaches are always coaching for their for their job, uh, regardless. You know, no matter how successful you've been, uh, no matter what last last year was last year, and this year is this year. So, um, you know, um, nobody listens to it in recruiting. Nobody, you know, I guarantee that 99% of these high school and, and transfer players have no idea who the hell Dennis Dodd is. Um, and so it, it doesn't matter. I mean, who doesn't know Coach Frost in Nebraska doesn't have to win next year, right? Right. Those guys are well aware. Mm-hmm. Well aware. And, um, you know, so so are the players. and that And that's what they want. I mean, so... You know, to have some clown, I'm not, and I'm not saying he's a clown. I'm just saying in general, mm-hmm. you know, um, say, you know, who's on the hot seat and who's not. I mean, no kidding. I mean, I can show my wife a list of records and say, hey, who's what, what coaches you think are in trouble next year? And I mean, she'd probably pick three of the five that are on mm-hmm. that list that, that Dodd put together. So, uh, 
you know, um, let, let me guess when, who, who's going to be on his top quarterback list, right? Mm-hmm. And probably the running back list, uh, you know, the kid from Texas will be on that too. So, I mean, come on, man, give me, give me something. Give me something that's worthwhile. I mean, gosh, I mean, it's funny when you, when you pull up, right, when you, when you pull up um, anybody, right, and a, a lot of these writers, um, it's, it's negative, right? I mean, okay, here, here let's pull up Dennis. I just happened to, okay, hot seat rankings, okay, uh, honeymoon over for Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame. Um, USC, UCLA defections to Big Ten. I mean, it's just all it's, it's all negative, right? I mean, incoming commish Brett Yormark faces realignment, stability concerns as welcome gifts. I mean, dude, you know what? How about finding a kid that's overcome a bunch of crap in his life mm-hmm. and, and made it to college and is going to graduate and is playing at a Power 5 school? Why don't we do a story like that? You know, I don't see too many of those stories on old uh, um, on old Dennis Dodd's website here. So, you know, I, I guess that that I, I guess with so many people writing and, and the lack of integrity with journalists, I guess you got to do things to to get heat uh, hit pieces and things like that. So, I mean, I, that's all it is. I mean, but but I can tell you this: Dennis Dodd has absolutely zero impact on how many games. Um, you know, how they recruit or uh, the success that Nebraska, um, you know, has in this upcoming year. So that stuff, it's all BS. It's slow. There's nothing to write about right now. So, you know, let's write something negative to get, to get some, some people's attention. But to answer your question, coaches could care less about dudes like that. They don't read it. They don't look at it. And, 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 you know, no matter, even when you're recruiting and you're competing against people, coaches don't want to see. Coaches do not want to see um, other coaches get fired. It's, it's just bad. It's bad for everybody. So that stuff coaches can't stand. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Kaz, on the recruiting trail, you, you've had to encounter negative recruiting in your career. How would you address that if someone is out there taking shots at the program you're at or putting thoughts into a kid's head about into a kid's head about stability? Well, I, I gotta be honest. I mean, you know, most of the, most of the, especially in the big 10, uh, there's just, there's, there's not a whole lot of negative recruiting. And usually when the schools that are negative recruiting, I mean, I, I would always tell kids and, Said, you know, I got enough to sell about the place that I'm at. Mm-hmm. I got enough to sell about the guys that I coached. I got enough to sell about myself that I, I really don't have to talk about um, anybody else. I think it's I think it's unattractive. I think it pushes. I think all you do is just make kids aware of the of the schools that are uh, that are that are that are bad mouthing you. Mm-hmm. So I really don't. I think there. I, I don't think there's. I think there's less of the negative recruiting going on than, than people think. Um, you might you might get a kid here and there um, because he's saying this, he's saying that. Um, but I didn't encounter it a whole lot mm-hmm. in the places that I were that I was at. You had a lot to sell. You know, if you're at Nebraska, if you're at Iowa, 
you know, there's a lot of things to sell. And, you know, quite frank, it's not Michigan that's negative recruiting. You know, it's not Ohio State that's negative recruiting. You know, it's not Wisconsin. You know, it's it's not those places uh, um, that are negative recruiting. You know, you know and, and even a lot of programs, it might be a coach here and there that's saying some things. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty pretty easy to counter. And really what you counter it with with the positive aspects of the places you're at and the guys you're working with and, and the players you coached and the opportunities ahead. I mean, you sell that. The kid's going to listen to a guy bash you. Probably don't want that kid anyway. I know that that sounds, you know, like a cop out. But, uh, you know, uh, when I've run across that, uh, when I've run across that during my time as a coach, all it did was, was, it had the kid, uh, it just stimulated some questions amongst the kid and, and amongst the people who were, Helping making the help making the decision for him. So um, yeah, so you know you don't really don't really get into didn't see a whole lot of that. Didn't get into a whole lot of that to be honest with you. So um, but but I think how you handle that. You talk about the places that you're at and and the good about that. And obviously Nebraska had a whole lot to sell. So really didn't didn't really run into that with the guys that I was recruiting and who I was recruiting against. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, you guys were in a lot of close games in the Big Ten at Iowa and at Nebraska. Uh, a lot of times it went the right way, but uh, you'd, you'd find a way uh, more times than not, either at Iowa or in Lincoln, to, to get a win. Like the defense would step up, the offense would make a play, special teams would come through. And what... Um, what was uh, the reason for that? And, I, and I, I ask that, meaning guys were on the same page and confident. Was that a process to build confidence, or was it always kind of apparent in the programs you were a part of? Well, I think it was apparent in the programs because of how you built the programs. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, you know, Nebraska, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, you know, this word developmental program gets thrown around like in just these generalities. Like, yeah, no kidding. Who's not? Everybody is, including Alabama. I mean, do you think that Alabama doesn't have good coaches and doesn't make their players better? Absolutely not. And I know I hear that a lot with Iowa, and you'll hear it with Wisconsin. Oh, they're developed, and they develop. You know, what you – yeah, and that's true, but don't. I can tell you this. I went after the best possible guys I could get when I was at, at Iowa, and I know what Wisconsin, you know, if you got an opportunity to get a kid that Alabama and Georgia's recruiting, hell yeah. But guess what? The reality is that unless you have a personal relationship where the kid contacts you and has some type of tie, you're not, you're not getting them. So, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, developmental schools. So is Alabama. So is Clemson. So is Georgia. So, you know, but what ends up happening is, is you know, Wisconsin, you, 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 you're building from the inside out. You're building with experience. So, you know, when you're in those tight games, a lot of times you're playing with a lot more experienced guys than you are possibly than the, than, than the opponent you're playing against. So, you know, you're building it the right way. You're building, I hate, oh, gosh, you know, using the word using the word culture, but there, there is when, when you have guys that have been in, in those situations, when you have, when you're playing with more guys that have been in the program three, four years that have been through 
four spring practices and been through uh, five winter conditionings, and then you're lining up on Saturday in November and, you know, 30-mile-an-hour wind, and you got to go 99 with three minutes left. Hey, been there, done that, okay? You know, this is, hey, we faced adversity before, been in these situations. So, you know, let's, let's, go, let's go after it. Let's go get it. You know, you welcome the challenge. Um, but I think also a lot of it has to do with, with how, you, how you practice and what's accepted in practice. Um, you know, it's just if you, know, you didn't you didn't get penalties at at Iowa. You know, you, you know uh, you didn't you didn't jump off sides three times during the week in practice and start on Saturday. Just didn't just didn't work like that. There was a lot of accountability. Um, there was a lot of accountability on the team's Bose coach. But you know, the great thing about those type of programs that I had, was fortunate to be a part of, and even as a GA and as a player with Coach Holtz at South Carolina and Notre Dame. You know, there's a peer pressure. The players, it's the players' team. You know, they have to take they have to take ownership. Um, you know, the coaches can coach as hard as they want. They can be as disciplined. You know, they can be demanding. But ultimately, the players got to decide what type of legacy, what type of culture, what type of locker room. You know, what type of huddle, what type of sideline. You know, it's it's their team. And I think, you know, the guys that I coached with and the guys that they coached for, the, uh, the guys that I coached for, they, you know, that was always stress. Guys, this is your team. You know, this is, this is your team. So take ownership of it. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of HaleVarsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio. A Tuesday with Kaz continues. Rick Kaczynski, more on the topic of accountability and how that translates to close wins. Just like a screaming parent or, uh, you know, or at some point the kids stop listening to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they have to be held accountable by, by one another. There has to be a standard. You know, there has to be expectations, and if those expectations aren't met, got to be the guys in the room starting to hold guys accountable. And I think that's when you start seeing those teams gel together and you see those teams win those close games. Because let's be honest, the ball, everybody's lucky at some point during the football game and everybody has some bad luck. The ball is going to bounce to either team, you know, to either team at both, both at, 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 at certain times during the game. All right, it's it's who takes advantage of that. So, you know, I know people say you create this. Sometimes things just happen, you know, but things are going to happen for the other team also. Um, but I think, you know, a big part of that is, is who you got on the field, how you practice, and the ownership of the teams. And, uh, you know, the teams that we struggled on, you know, inexperience, you know, uh, not, you know, not, uh, I, I wouldn't say a lack of leadership, it was just you had young leaders. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard in a power five, especially in the Big Ten and SEC, 
to win when you have young leaders. Is that how you want? As long as you're building, you know, but, man, you need some older dudes that have been there, done that, taken ownership, holding other guys accountable, and and uh, that have been in those situations. And I think that's when you see those, you know, those three-point losses, those field goal losses, those one-point losses, and uh, those six-point losses turn, turn into wins. So, you know, that's just from that's just from my experience. I mean, you can coach as much as you want, you can coach as hard as you want, you can yell, scream, but ultimately the players got to do it. I think the big thing the coaches got to do is preach the ownership of and of, of of whose team is it. You know, this isn't Coach Frost's team. This is this is the players' team, man. And um, you know how how do they want to be remembered? You know what legacy they want to leave, and what are, what are they willing to accept? And um, I think when they stopped accepting BS, you know, especially during the week of practice, I think that's when you see things starting to turn for programs. Kaz, give me a couple of guys that you were proud to coach but were really good leaders. You thought, man, they were, they were really good players, but their, their impact was as great or even better as a leader on the field. Oh man, I mean, shoot, there there's so many, but I mean, I mean, you know, guy like Brian Madison at at Iowa, Mitch King, um, Kroll, you know, Baker Steinkohler, you know, Jason Ankara became that. Um, you know, he's his senior year. You know, Jason was was an older guy. You know, playing next to Malik. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, playing next to Vincent, playing next to Curry, you know, Avery, those type of guys. I mean, Jason was the elder, and I don't think he was that the year before, but in 2013 he became that leader that we needed in that in that room. He was that he was that older guy um, that had seen some success, you know, that had that that knew what it took, that had been in the conference for two years and, and could explain to those guys the gauntlet, you know, what it takes, watching film, how to study. Um, those type of things. But, I mean, you can just go down the list. Obviously, Malik. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, you know, Jack Gangwish. You know, guys like that, man, you don't have to be a great player to uh, to be a leader. I mean, but, you know, Jack showed up every single day. Um, you know, didn't ask for anything, didn't expect anything. And, you know, guy starts against Southern Cal. Mm-hmm. Um his 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 last uh, you know his last game coaching with me but uh, or playing for me but you know it's just it's just things like that but I I know Cam Meredith you know sacrificing moving a 250 pound guy inside because we're thin and you know had some guys hurt and and you know end up on a team that went 10 and two in the regular season um, you know unselfishly just just went inside didn't say a word. Uh, but man, there was guy. I know I'm, I'm. I know I'm leaving. I know I'm leaving a, a bunch of guys out. But man, there was there was a there was a bunch of them. Man, there was a, there was a bunch of them. So, and you know that's that's important. But I think you know obviously Claiborne. But mm-hmm. um, you know Broderick Benz. I mean, gosh, man, Mike Daniels. Gosh, how can I leave him out? But you know those were guys. Those were guys that all of them they took they took ownership man they took ownership of 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 themselves they held themselves to high standards um, you know uh, I I explained to them the expectations I mean I rode them hard and then once they figured out 
you know, hey, this dude's got what, what my best interest. This dude is, is not going to allow me to be average. Then, you know, what they did was make sure that nobody else was going was gonna to be average. And they didn't tolerate that. So then it made me, you know, when you got older guys that played a bunch that are big, tough guys like that and had success, you know, young guys get in line really, really, really quick. So, and I was, I was very, very fortunate to have that pretty much all the years I was coaching. I mean, there, there was never a year that, that I was coaching in the Big Ten where I didn't have a guy like that. So, you know, very, very fortunate. I'm sure I'm missing, I'm, I'm, I'm missing a few names there. But, uh, man, those were, those were some dudes. Oh, Carl Klug, mm-hmm. you, you kidding me, man? Let me tell you what, never said two words, but if you didn't do, if you didn't do what was expected of you, let me he'd grab you by the throat and jack you into a wall. You know, he was a silent assassin. He didn't have to say much, but you go back and you ask those Iowa guys that played there between 07 and, and um, 2010, who was the toughest D lineman, I guarantee a majority of those players would say Carl Klug. Now, Kaz, is that, that leadership trait, is that something you can identify through the recruiting process, or is that something that, that comes to fruition once they're on the roster, once they've gotten some play time? Are you able to see which guys could become leaders for you in your position group? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't think, um, you know, gosh, I mean, I think there's certain qualities with, with guys. I mean, quite frankly, if they're, you know, they're, they're, they're good dudes, they handle things in the classroom. Um, you know, weight room guys, multiple sport guys, you know, I think there's a correlation to that in the transfer over to college, but college is so different than high school sports, you know, the, you know, the demands, the grind, the mental aspect of it. So, you know, I I think there's, um, I think there's some common denominators between the, in some things that you can see with guys in high school, um, but uh, you know, most of the time you got you know, most of the time things are easy for these guys are in high school. In high school, you know they're the best. You know they're the popular guys. You know everybody's loving up on them. You know they're the most athletic. Now you know put them in an environment where everybody's the same. They got to work on it. They're 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 you know they're not the best anymore. Nobody's kissing their tail. They're just another dude. They got to prove themselves. That's when things start to to separate it. So I think you see more of those qualities um, where you find really find out about a guy when he's on the scout team. You know that first winter conditioning. You know uh, that first spring ball. I, I I think, man. You know, you can only. It, it's still. It's still. I know the contact has changed, but there's still only so much contact that you have with these high school kids and it's very limited, you know? So, you know, you know, if you're getting married, Elijah to somebody and say, okay, man, you can talk to them twice and, and, you know, you could, you can watch them, you know, you can see them on tape uh, as much as you want. You can go see them in person two times and that it's really hard to tell, you know, uh, and get a feel for this person as a person just by the limited contact that you have. So really those things kind of unfold once you get them on campus. Now, once they're on campus, you can, you can figure it out pretty quick if these guys, if these guys are going to be a leader for you, you know, down the line. And usually those leaders, they're, they're dudes that take care of business. I mean, are, are they, are they uh, you know, choir boys? Absolutely not. But you know what? They're guys that take care of business. 
right? They are they are guys that they they do what they have to do, um, and they do in and you know what are they doing when nobody's looking? You know, are they watching tape? You know, are they are they you know what are they what are they doing in the weight room? Are they eating right? Are they getting enough sleep? Hey man, it's college. Everybody's going to have a good time, but you know, instead of staying out till three, you know, let's stay out till twelve thirty, and, and you know, take it home. Let's stay away from this place because this is where trouble is, man. You know, let's not do this, let's not do that, and let's take care of the let's take care of these younger kids. So I think you see it more. I think you see it more uh, when these kids come on campus through their first two semesters. You know, you you have a pretty good idea about who's going to be leading your football team two, three years down the line. Rick Kaczynski is with us a Tuesday with Kaz, Hale Varsity Radio, a lot covered today as uh, camp gets rocking here two weeks from Big Ten Media Days up in Indy. Kaz, have a good week, and and, uh, we'll keep uh, those pictures of the Labradoodle. We'll keep sending them your way. Doodle, man. Uh, You got a dog that has doodle in it. Come on, bro. (laughs) Thanks for the time, man. (laughs) I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, guys. Well, it's an acquired taste uh, to to have a Labradoodle. Uh, the man card may have taken a dent See, or could be revoked. I didn't even want to bring up the fact that the dog I grew up with, we had two of them, was a toy poodle. I didn't even want to hear what Kaz had to say about that, so I just stayed away <laughs> just, from that one. You ran and hid, <laughs> didn't you? You let me take it. He was funny. Uh Roz is, uh, yeah, she's something special. Let's talk a minute about the best college football towns. Now, I'm not super familiar with bestcollegereviews.org. I'm not super familiar with the site. I am going to critique their list, and they put together a top 25 list, and when it comes to think about game day, think about a a, a packed, rocking stadium you've been to or you want to go to. Think about all the times you've been out of Tenth and Vine Memorial Stadium. They have Colorado. They have the People's Republic of Boulder in it. Number one, Folsom can get nuts. That's uh, either whether they're throwing water bottles or they're just putting a fourth quarter rally together back in the day. I'm not saying it's not a tough atmosphere, but it is. I mean, they've had to schedule really heavy over the decades to, to keep the fan interest. Michigan in it, too? I don't know about that. I think, and Elijah, you can speak to this. You've been to Oxford. Mm-hmm. I think Oxford's probably top five. Madison, Wisconsin, I, I hear. No arguments there. Yeah, good college town, and they do their game day right. I think I think that's probably fair. I, I hear Iowa City's good. Champagne didn't wow me last year. A and M being at number twenty-one, that's pretty low. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
enjoyed it. Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We are back at the Better Call Saul epicenter. And uh, we've done this throughout a lot of the Better Call Saul episodes. The show airs when it's in season on Monday nights. We recap it Tuesday with uh, Mike St. James and prior to that our dear friend Timo uh, who went to college with Bob Odenkirk. We'll just say they're close personal friends. We bring on Sparty, Mike St. James, big uh, Better Call Saul guy, as uh, Season 6, Part 2, Episode 1, aired last night, Aim to Shoot. It was a showdown. It was a major character death, and that showdown was ultimately very intense. St. James, uh, Sparty, buddy, thanks for jumping on. How are you? Great. This show just keeps getting better and better. And and you said a lot right there as the show often moves slowly. But if you're patient enough, and that's how when folks complained about Breaking Bad or you talked to somebody that, you know, I watched the, the first season or two and I was about ready to punt it. And then you waited for the payoff and, man, it was downhill uh, after that in a great way. I mean, the action was, was jam-packed. Uh, Saul yeah. is going to accelerate to the end. What did you think of their plan last night to have such a, it was almost show finale type good for this first episode to kick off the second half? Yeah, it really is. And last night's episode was a continuation of the same day of the previous episode. This all took place in one day. And to end the first part of season six, kind of scumbag Howard, not not the level of scumbag as Saul, but kind of your smarmy boss or co-worker or prep school puke that some of us maybe grew up with, he gets whacked. He gets whacked by Lalo who's part of the Salamanca fact, uh, family and faction, just for being at the wrong place at the wrong time. That's how it ended. Sorry to spoil season six, end of season six, half one, but that's what happened. Well, Elijah. if anyone's listening to this and, and they're not caught up yet, they've brought this upon themselves. Yes. Yes. So just grin and bear it, or earmuffs, one of the two. You made it three minutes into this interview. You yes. knew what was coming. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so Lalo's in there, and... He's like, hey, Saul, by the way, you're going to go assassinate Gus now. Yeah, and and Saul says, send her, send him, <laughs> which, oh, my God, my jaw dropped when he said that. And he didn't, he didn't say that. To, he, he said that to try to save her, right? Is that the way you took that, too? Well, one more time, bud, you cut out. Sorry. Saul Saul said send her, so so he wanted Kim to go, but he wanted Kim to go because he wanted to save her. He wanted yes. to get her out. He wasn't so he that, wasn't throwing her under the bus. He was actually doing something noble for the woman he loves. Yes. And that's the way you saw it too? That's absolutely how I saw it. Okay. So, so how about Lalo being able to be two or three steps ahead of everybody? He was so sinister in getting his one-on-one with Gus. Yeah, he fooled Mike, and nobody fools Mike. Just Walter White. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, one. 
And but you think about it, everybody, all the main characters had a had a really bad day. Gus probably had the best day, and he got shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he got shot three times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every. I mean, Mike. Mike got okie doked. Uh, five of his guys get offed. Uh, yeah. Lalo's uh, no longer. Uh, Gus got popped. And uh, you have Kim that's absolutely freaking out. And now they're in a whole different headspace when they, they move forward. What do you anticipate yeah. with the next five episodes? We, we now that the Lalo problem's solved. And do we just start mesh pointing? Uh, to I think, Walt and Jesse here, do, do we do we skip a, a few years? I mean, and we've seen previews and teasers of of uh, of Saul when he's in Omaha. I drove by Oakview last week for baseball. Right, I was going to go to Cinnabon. Uh, yeah, you know the 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 this the, the the disguise is Gene working at Cinnabon. That is Saul as he got relocated to avoid police and. Is he who's he who do you think he's calling? Who do you think he's calling in these teasers that will no doubt uh, come to a to a head point at, at the end here as this series, you know, goes final? I have no idea. I want a whole episode of Gene in Omaha. I hope we get one. I hope we get a whole episode of him. And, and uh, do you think Kim is going to end up in Omaha? No, I think she either dies or i think they i think gus is gonna have it out for her because she was sent to assassinate him so i think i think they they call the squeegee vac guy and she relocates okay okay yeah, we're just yeah, still hoping it ends up okay for her anyway. She's uh, she's been nominated for an Emmy now. Did you see that? Yeah, she should have been, and that's quite the Emmy list of. I've not seen Succession, but it sounds like it's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, they've got, they're up for a ton of stuff. Yeah, Ozark was incredible. I loved Ozark. Yeah, and and yeah, so she's up against Ruth, which that's oh, that's wow. tough. Yeah, that's really that. No one's going to beat Ruth. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. The only two, the only two things I hoped for in awards season this year is for Kim Wexler to get an Emmy and for Chris Schmidt to get Sportscaster of the Year. That's it. Well, I got, I got one of the two. So one for one for two, Sparty. God love you. Thanks for that shout out. <laughs> so let's just put our money down. Does Saul get off or is he captured? Jesse got away. Walt's dead. We know what happened to Gus in Breaking Bad. Does Saul finally go down for all of his acts? Is there a cumulative sting uh, where the FBI and FTA come raid him? You know, oh, my God, you, you can't bet on anything. When, like when Kim rang the doorbell last night, I thought, you didn't know what I thought was she was going to get shot. I thought someone was going to yeah. pop her. Yeah, you have no idea. It's like, how does this show manage to be so unpredictable? Yeah, I wouldn't put money down on anything. I, I you know, I hope. Yeah, I, I just hope it's good. I just hope it's memorable. And and according to um, Ray Seahorn's interview 
uh, last week, it was. She says it's really memorable. Well, it was. It was a really good and eerie beginning where you see Howard's Jaguar on the coast of California with his shoes floating in the uh, in the Pacific Ocean. And Wallet then, and ring on the dash. Yeah, and and meanwhile he's uh, he's a part of the meth lab. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. He never, I bet you he, in the morning, he did not think his day was going to go like that. No, no. You know. Mike St. James, we're recapping Better Call Saul. The final six episodes kicked off with a bang last night. Uh, St. James, we'll check in next Tuesday. How's that sound, partner? Sounds great. Congratulations again on the big award, Chris. Appreciate you, Mike. Mike St. James, old Sparty. Uh, we will recap Better Call Saul, the next episode, next Tuesday. We'll wind out a Tuesday next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Mike St. James for weighing in, recapping Better Call Saul Season 6, Part 2, the season and episode premiere last night. Great stuff from Rick Kaczynski on leadership, close ball games, and uh, the hot seat rankings with Dennis Dodd. Mitch Sherman joined us to talk off-season storylines as fall camp going to get rolling shortly for Nebraska football tomorrow. We'll spend time with Mike Babcock. We'll try and talk some open with uh, Mike Schuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf, and then the good doctor is in to talk some offensive line. Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the Pipeline, Husker Hall of Famer. Dr. Rob will join us at 5 o'clock. can always email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com, and uh, also get uh, your thoughts shared with us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Tiger Woods sounded off on uh, those playing on the uh, live tour and now uh, part of the open still competing in the PGA. Tiger's going to have a good shot, uh, at least a, a fairer shot with uh, more of a an even keel golf course to uh to walk and then try and navigate his tiger. Uh, I should note here, all these videos being taken off for copyright. So, so we don't have it anymore that, and we should probably stay away. What about, uh, try ABC. Can't do that. Try ABC. Cause it's wow. They're, the, the open's a little protective. They're, the, they're going copyright on everyone. So wow. The whole world is throwing stuff on social media. And they're all being forced to take him down now. Man, so. are you paying a service? Well, it's on the internet, man. Uh, we'll see. We may have some Tiger for you tomorrow. <laughs> I assume ABC's got uh, sports coverage over there. Or at least ESPN. For sure. 
We got it. I just got to find the right quote. There's 50 of them. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are 50, but uh, Tiger uh, sounding off on uh, the Live Tour uh, yet again. Vic uh, does chime in. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We were able to sneak tease a little bit of the worst college football, best uh, college football sites. Boulder came in at number one. Vic says, uh, the list isn't worth the electricity that it costs to read it. Boulder may, might be top 25. Uh, it might be a top 25 game day destination for the visiting team. We good with Tiger? Sort of, kind of? Okay. They're back on what has allowed them to get to this position. Um, some players have never got a chance to even experience it. Uh, they've, they've gone right from the amateur ranks right into the you know, that organization um, and never really get a chance to to play out here and, and what it feels like to play a tour schedule or, or to um, play in some big events. I just don't see how that, that move is, is positive in the, in the long term uh, for a lot of these players, especially if the live organization doesn't get world ranking points and they don't in the major championships change their criteria uh, for entering the events. Uh, it'd be sad to see some of these young kids never get a chance to experience it and experience what we've got a chance to experience. Why play if you can't win anything? End of discussion. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. A Huda Media Production.